Psalm 130, a song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Anne, for that reading, and it's good to be with you this morning. As Simon says, uh, I'm Stephen Linton, one of the licensed lay ministers here. Good to be with those of you watching from home now or later in the week too. Let's start with a prayer. Father, the reason we listen to your word, the reason we preach and listen to sermons is because we want to hear you speaking to us today. And we pray that that may be true this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me begin with a question. Why should Christians read the Old Testament? Surely our faith is based on what Christ has done for us as recorded in the Gospels, a faith developed by the apostles set out in their New Testament letters. Well, one reason, of course, is that the Old Testament was the Bible that Jesus read and from which he preached. Our New Testament was collected together by the church over the next three centuries, and its exact content was a matter of dispute, even down to the time of Martin Luther. So our Old Testament is the authentic Bible of Jesus. So we need to read both Old and New Testaments. Now, during August, uh, we're using the lectionary, the Anglican Church's set readings as a basis for our sermons. And that means that preachers have a choice of three readings. Today, I've chosen Psalm 130. Why? Because recently, I've been thinking a lot about the questions, how and why does God forgive us? And on what basis can we return to a relationship with God, our Father, when we have strayed from his ways? Now, if we were to answer those questions from the New Testament, we would have plenty of verses to quote. For instance, John's Gospel, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. But what about forgiveness in the Old Testament, the Bible that Jesus read? We know that God forgave people in Old Testament times, so many of them messed up, even the heroes of faith, Abraham, Moses, David, many others failed and needed God's forgiveness. 
Now, we might imagine that in Old Testament times, obeying the Ten Commandments, offering the various sacrifices in Leviticus, were the ways to be accepted by God. But that can't be so. Remember that God called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 400 years before the giving of the Ten Commandments. And God's promises to Abraham were sealed in a covenant freely entered into by God to bless this family and through them to bless all nations. And that was done on the basis of pure grace, God's free gift, not by keeping a set of commandments. Indeed, despite the patriarch's many failings. And that when they were in slavery in Egypt, we reread that God remembered his covenant and rescued the Israelites. That was God's initiative based on his covenant love for those people. It was only later at Mount Sinai that God gave instructions as to how people should live under that covenant. And then even though they persistently broke God's laws, God still loved them and bless them. So God's covenant of grace was not dependent on their keeping the law. Hosea writes of God saying, how can I give you up, O Israel? And tells of God's distress at their waywardness. And even when God's patience was seemingly exhausted and they finally went into exile, God still stuck to his promises and brought them back to the land. And the Old Testament prophets back this up. Isaiah 43, verse 25 says this. God says, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Jeremiah 31, 34. I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Micah 7.19, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives transgressions? So was this forgiveness on the basis of the sacrifices they offered in the temple? No, indeed. Psalm 51.16, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it, writes David. A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Amos 5.21, I hate your festivals, I will not accept your burnt offerings, but let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Micah 6, verse 6, with what shall I come before the Lord? With burnt offerings? No, but what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So in the Old Testament, the law and the sacrifices in Leviticus were to be kept not to gain favour with God, but out of response to God's love and grace. So Psalm 119, the longest psalm of 176 verses, refers in every single verse to God's law, statutes and instructions. And the psalmist writes of his love for that law, his desire to follow it, his thankfulness for its precepts, not a burden to bear. So in the light of that, let's look at our reading today, Psalm 130. We find there the writer in desperate straits 
His problem this time is not with his enemies or the wicked, it's his awareness of his personal failings. Out of the depths I cry, I uh, be attentive to my cry for mercy, he writes. What he needs is God's mercy, his forgiveness. He knows he's failed God. Verse 3, if the Lord kept a record of sins, who could stand? Yet the psalmist sees a way out of his despair, and it's not by his own efforts, but with you, Lord, verse 4, there is forgiveness. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. In his word, I put my hope. Verse 7, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. And verse 8, he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. The consistent teaching of the Bible as a whole, Old and New Testaments, Jesus in the Gospels, Paul and others, is that God loves us and offers us by grace his free, unmerited favour, a way to be restored to our rightful relationship with God our Father. Saint Augustine wrote, O God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. That rest, that acceptance, that return to what we were made to be is freely available to us by God's grace. But on what basis is that gracious forgiveness offered? Neither Old nor New Testament teach that it's automatic. The quote attributed to the German poet Heinrich Heine, of course God will forgive me, that's his job, has no biblical basis. So David in Psalm 51 tells us that a broken and contrite heart is required. Amos and Micah write that Justice, righteousness, and humility are needed. And in the Gospels, Jesus tells the story of a Pharisee and a tax collector praying in the temple, and the Pharisee congratulating himself on his righteousness, while the tax collector prays, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus concludes that this man, the despised tax collector, went home forgiven. So it's clear that our forgiveness requires an awareness of our sins, a genuine repentance, a desire to turn around and change our attitudes and our actions. And sometimes there also needs to be an act of restitution. Jesus tells the person praying in the temple who remembers that his brother has something against him to first go home and sort it out. Our part, then, in obtaining God's forgiveness is genuine repentance and a turning around in response to God's offer. But that offer is from God alone by grace. Isaiah writes, I, even I, note the emphasis, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Isaiah writes, God forgives because that is part of his nature. For my own sake, says God, I will forgive. And back in Psalm 130, the psalm ends in hope. Put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins.
The writer knows that only God can forgive, and he hints that in some way God himself will provide that way. He himself will redeem, we read. Which brings us back to the New Testament and what Jesus did for us, because there we find that Christ died for our sins in 1 Corinthians. In John chapter 1, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus himself says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So the Christian faith is in a God who offers forgiveness to those who turn to him, and he himself provides the means of forgiveness in Christ who died for us. And so back in Psalm 130, what do we find here to help us this morning? We find that God hears us when we cry to him, whatever our circumstances. Out of the depths, we read, whether those are depths of despair, times of terrible crisis, or in this case, when we know we've done wrong and grieved our Heavenly Father. Whatever we have done, we can know that there is forgiveness. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. We can know with the psalmist that with God, there is forgiveness. And so we can join the writer and wait in hope, certain hope, because of God's unfailing love and knowing that he has indeed provided the way for us to be forgiven in Christ. Unfortunately, Christians have a tendency to divide the Old and New Testaments. Think of God as showing, being showing different characteristics and requirements in those two places. But that's wrong. In the Old Testament, God offered forgiveness freely to those who turned to him. By grace, through faith, you might say. And in the New God offers us forgiveness freely when we turn to him again by grace through faith. And on the basis of Jesus, our Saviour, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Our role is to turn to him and accept his loving and gracious offer. So this morning we can know that we are forgiven as we turn to God and accept his free offer. We can know with the writer of Psalm 130 that with God there is forgiveness and unfailing love. So what now? Verse 4 goes on. With you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. Here is our response to God's unfailing love. To seek to follow and serve him, not in order to gain our salvation, but in response to God's provision out of pure grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Let's spend a time in personal prayer as we respond to God's love and accept his forgiveness this morning.